uh, if you have your Bibles with you, want to look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Just going to look at the first six verses of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Please hear this public reading of God's Word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So just to say at the outset, this is not going to be a normal time of confession. I felt like I couldn't do a normal confession considering the circumstances. It was 12 weeks ago when the last time, well, it was 12 weeks ago when we last gathered in this sanctuary. So that means we have missed 11 Sundays in a row without gathering in this room. And I was listening to an interview recently put on by a ministry called Nine Marks. And in that interview, a man named Jonathan Lehman was interviewing a guy named Andy Nacelli. And in that interview, Andy Nacelli said something like this. He said, the Lord has many ways to bless us. And one of the ways he has designed to bless his people is through in-person fellowship with other believers to hear the word preached together in person, to sing together in person, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together in person, to see baptisms performed in person, to pray together in person. Then he said, we can take all of those things for granted. So easily we can take all of those things for granted. Then he said, maybe now, maybe now after missing 11 Sundays in a row, maybe now for the first time, we feel how precious all of those things are. How precious in-person fellowship is with other believers. I hope we feel how precious the local church is, maybe now more than ever. And I hope these words that I just read from the Apostle Paul, especially verses 3 to 5, I hope these words have richer meaning and they are sweeter to us now than maybe they've ever been before. Again, to read them, Philippians 1 verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So I just want to spend a few minutes talking about why I love North Avenue Church. I could easily talk about this subject for over an hour. I am not even kidding. I could easily talk about it. So I'm going to try to be concise on this topic. So why do I love North Avenue Church. Well, number one, I love this church because I love the people of this church. Love the people of this church. I've told this story before, but it just illustrates this point so well. And when our church first started, we had one discussion group meeting at Mark and Kelly's house. Some of you may have been there, and we were packed out in their living room. And I remember the very first discussion group that I went to. I think it was the first discussion group that we had as a church. And I remember it was filled with young people, and they were leaning in. They were taking notes. They were excited about the things of God. And I just remember leaving with just deep joy as I walked down the, the, the driveway there and the, the path back to our car. I just felt this sense of joy. I thought, this is wonderful. 
here's a church that has this, a bunch of young people who are excited about the Lord and the things of God. And then we got so big, we had to split discussion groups. And Liliana and I went to the discussion group that was co-led by Bo Beck and Manuel Fierro. And we met at the Beck's old house. And we had about the same number of people, about 10 to 12 of us. And hardly any of us missed a Thursday. And we just kept coming every Thursday, the same group of people in that room, talking about the Bible, talking about the Christian life, praying with and for each other. And what began to happen was our hearts became knit to each other in love. And I remember sitting there, the maybe a few months into that, and looking around the room at the beginning before we started discussion group, I remember th thinking, I love the people in this room. I genuinely love the people in this room. They encourage me. They point me to Christ. They, they pray with and for me. So I love North Avenue Church because I love the people of this church. Number two, I love this church because I love the songs we sing, and I love singing with the people of this church. I love the songs we sing. I remember the first time I met Ian Webster. I'd heard about him before the church started, but I think it was the very first service. I was sitting down here, and Ian came over, shook my hand at the very beginning before the service started, and I saw sort of a flash of that smile. I saw that joy on his face. I saw that just the light in him and the, the warming, like the welcoming Ian that we all know. And just to get to know this brother for the last four-plus years has been amazing, how he serves our church tirelessly. Just last night, he is here with Zach. They're working on putting things together in our church. I mean, this is how Ian serves our church. He's so gifted and talented in so many ways and so humble. But I love the seriousness with which he takes song selection. He is so careful to choose songs that are rich in doctrine, rich in theology. And so often the songs are Christ-centered, just Christ-exalting songs that are wonderful to sing. And I remember the first maybe several months that our church was going. I remember I cried every Sunday singing the songs that we sang because they were so rich as we sang again of the Savior and the tears came again. So I love this church because I love the songs we sing, but I love singing with the people who make up this church. Some of you were there the very first retreat that we ever had. We stayed in legitimate log cabins. If you were there, you'll never forget that experience. And there was that little bitty chapel in the middle. What a wonderful little chapel that was. And we were all crammed into that little chapel. And Ian and Aaron leading us in singing at the front. And our, the voices were reverberating off the walls and off the ceiling. It was wonderful to sing in that little chapel. And I remember that Saturday, we'd gone through Ephesians 2 that morning. Many people left, but so many of us stayed because we didn't want to leave. And I remember people just began to read Scripture. And I remember Papa Fred in the back just reading the Bible. It was just wonderful. Here's Fred just reading from the Word of God. And then Mark said to Ian, Ian, we got to sing. Let's just keep singing. So Ian just got back up, and we started singing in that little chapel. And it was wonderful. I remember Mark said later, he said, this was, he said something like, this was a taste of heaven. It felt like we were close to heaven in that chapel. So I love this church because I love the songs we sing, and I love singing with the people who make up this church. Number three, I love this church because God has brought people from spiritual deadness to spiritual life through the ministry of this church. Isn't that amazing? Conversion, genuine conversion is incredible and extraordinary that God would do it. I think of Miss Dorothy 
dead in sins for 86 years. And God providentially brought her. She sat right up here in the front. And week after week after week, she heard the gospel that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. And then God had mercy on her and opened her eyes to the beauty of Jesus. And how many of us wept when she went down in the water behind me that day when she was baptized and raised back up? How beautiful was that? Caitlin Cato, who was a former atheist, and through the ministry of this church over years of time, people loving on her, people reaching out to her, and over several years, God brought her to saving faith. Again, I'm sure people wept when she was baptized. I think of the nominal Christians, Christians who were in, in Christian in name only, who came to our church, Hannah Hughes and Grant Crane and Jose Rodriguez, how God brought them from spiritual death to spiritual life through the ministry of our church, I think about Carter, this young man who was powerfully converted through the ministry primarily of Grant Crane, Josh Krause, and Josh Chronic through their ministry, bringing Carter from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. So I love this church because God has used the ministry of this church to bring people to saving faith. Lastly, I love this church because I love the other four elders who serve this church. And I'll try to be concise on this. I could easily talk about these men for a long time, but let me just try to be concise. I love these other four elders. Greg Rentz, I'll start with him. Here is a man who has extraordinary giftedness. Here is a man who has an MDiv from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Here's a man who has pastoral experience, and he and his family come to our church, appear at our church a few years ago. What a gift they are to our church. A man with an incredible knowledge of the Bible, just a deep knowledge of the Bible. I remember, I think it was one of our first elders meetings with Greg on board. I think Alan is the one who said, you know, if somebody has a difficult theological question and Mark is tied up and busy, let's just start sending people to Greg. Let's just start sending people to Greg. What a resource he is. And just this past Tuesday, Manuel Fierro said that he loves that our church has people like Greg Grinch, that he can just ask him whatever question about the Bible, whatever kind of weird question about the Bible. And Greg will give you a helpful, faithful, biblical answer. I love his joy and his delight to serve our church. He's just so delighted and joyful about serving you guys. He just wants to dive in and do whatever he can to help. So we're so thankful for you, Greg. We love you. We're thankful for you. Alan McCannon. Oh man, Alan is so gifted in so many ways. Let me name you a few of Alan's gifts. Alan has the gift to teach. Obviously, he's able to teach. How many of us have benefited from his confessions over the years? He is able to teach. Alan has the gift of hospitality. He and Renee both, if you've ever been to their house for a cookout or to a family group, they are so hospitable, so warm, so welcoming, so kind, so gracious. So he has the gift of hospitality. Alan has the gift of encouragement. Maybe you don't know that, but time and time and time again, he has encouraged me personally. I know he's encouraged Mark many times. The last time that we had a meal in the gym was in February, end of February, and I had given a confession about how we should encourage each other in light of the gospel, and I was standing in line, and here comes Alan, and he sort of gave me this side bear hug, as Alan typically does. He just engulfed me from the side, towering over me, and then he just poured encouragement, poured encouragement on top of me. I mean, this is the way he encourages is amazing. And he is gifted in the area of service in an extraordinary manner. And I'm sure all of you have seen this. Grant Crane was just talking about this not too long ago, one of our book clubs. He said they had a family group at uh, the McCannon house. I think they had tacos this particular night and Grant had his taco. He was starting to eat his taco and he was beginning to make a mess on himself. And he realized he didn't have a napkin. And all of a sudden he looked up and there's Alan McCannon with a napkin right in his face. And Grant was just like, whoa, 
Like, this is amazing. Alan sees a need and he meets the need. We've seen him in the gym. How many of us have seen him with a broom in his hands? How many of us have seen him taking out the trash? How many of us have seen him pouring drinks for people, getting food for people, taking people's uh, trash to the trash? I mean, he just serves so humbly, sacrificially. So, Alan, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Jerry Edgar, I mean... I could talk for a ton about Jerry Edgar. I mean, Alan has said, I could roll out of bed and talk about Jerry is what Alan has said before. I mean, Jerry is an amazing gift to our church. Uh, I was listening. Well, he, first thing I'll say about Jerry is he is heavenly minded, isn't he? More than anybody I know, he is heavenly minded. Listening to a guy named Michael Reeves talk about a Puritan named Richard Sibbs. And he said that someone said this about Richard Sibbs. They said, heaven was in Sibs before Sibs was in heaven. And I heard that, I said, that's Jerry Edgar. Heaven is in Jerry before Jerry is in heaven. I mean, how many times has he helped us to fix our eyes on what is unseen? How many times has he said this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory? How many times has he come to you personally or maybe gotten up front and said, we're 24 hours closer. We're 72 hours closer. Scott, we've never been this close to heaven. I can't wait because I'll never dishonor my Savior again. So I love Jay because of his heavenly mindedness. I love Jay because of his joy. He has this deep joy in the Lord. You can't talk to him for just a couple of minutes and immediately that joy is contagious. You leave that conversation. I think Ian has said you leave every conversation with Jerry uplifted. Like his joy just becomes your joy. Jerry is so joyful. His humility is off the charts. Humble man. We went through Romans a couple of summers ago. And Jerry Ettinger has been teaching Romans for like 20 years. He lives in the book of Romans. Every day he's reading, I think, the book of Romans, and Romans 8 in particular. He has preached on the book of Romans so many times. And what does Jerry do? He asks a bunch of younger guys in our church to help him teach Romans. He didn't need any help to teach Romans, but Jerry, in humility, brought these younger guys around him to help give them an opportunity to teach Romans the word, but his teaching on suffering, oh my, the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God in suffering. He gets up here in his wheelchair and he says, our trials are tailor-made to make us godly. Coming from a man who spent much of his life in a wheelchair. Oh, we, we love Jerry Edgar. So thankful for Jerry. At the end, end with Mark, and again, I could talk about Mark for a long time. He's my, he's my brother. We both became Christians around the same time. I was probably six months after his conversion, so I got to see Mark's dramatic conversion. He's had such an impact. On me, I mean, I've just been shaped theologically, biblically, his teaching, but more so the conversations we've had, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations about the Bible and the things of God. I can't adequately express how much he has shaped me. But I'll try to be concise here. Mark has a deep love for the Savior that's obvious and clear. He has a deep love for the Bible. Isn't that obvious? He loves the Bible. Uh, I was thinking of something that R.C. Sproul said. R.C. Sproul said that people used to say to him, you know, you make the Bible come alive. And Sproul said he appreciated the compliment, but he said it really wasn't accurate. He said, the Bible makes me come alive. Well, the Bible makes Mark come alive. 
you can ask him a question about the Bible. I don't care what time of day it is. He could be half asleep. And you ask him a genuine question about the Bible, Mark will start waking up. He'll start getting passionate, start waving his hands around, raising his voice up because he loves the Word of God. He loves to talk about the Bible. And Mark loves our church. He has a deep love for the members of this church. He wants to see us growing. He wants to see us making progress spiritually. Just last night, I was talking to him on the phone, and he was talking about how we can better shepherd the people of this church. He cares deeply for our spiritual well-being. And Mark's preaching. Oh, man, his preaching has been rich. It has been passionate. It has been biblically faithful. It has been Christ-centered. It has been stirring. It has been moving. It's been so wonderful to hear him preach for four plus years. Mark has the unusual ability to take complex theological truth and he can explain it in a way that we can all understand. I mean, you, you have to realize this takes extraordinary giftedness to do that. Number one, you have to have a massive amount of theological knowledge first, but then you have to have an unusual giftedness to be able to take that and to explain it to us so that we can understand it. He does that week in and week out. Last thing I'll say, <laughs> last thing I'll say, I know I'm over. I know I'm over. Last thing I'll say about Mark is this. The first time that they asked me to preach was December of 2016. And it wasn't so much asking as they were forcing me to preach. Mark called me up and said, he's getting ordained and Jerry's going to come to the ordination. So you're the man. I think that's what his words were. You are the man. And he said, anyway, Alan, Jerry, and I voted. And so you're out number three to one. So I said, okay. So I was forced into it. I've been forced into lots of things from those three Man, which I am very grateful for, getting forced into those things. But I remember after preaching my first sermon, my respect for faithful Bible preachers was already extraordinarily high. But after I preached, my respect shot through the roof because preaching is extremely difficult. It is joyful. It is an amazing privilege. But my, oh my, it is extraordinarily difficult to beat your head against the text, to pre plead with God, to open up his word, to help you apply it to your own life, and then to faithfully teach it to others. Mark has labored over the text for four plus years. So I, we're extraordinarily grateful for you, Mark. We love you and are thankful for you. And again, I hope that we are more grateful than ever for times of fellowship with other believers. And I hope these words of Paul have richer and deeper meaning. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So now, if you will just spend some time praying, hopefully just prayers of thanksgiving to God for the people of God and for in-person fellowship. And I'll close this. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to gather in this room with your people. It is a joy and a privilege to, to gather. Father, forgive us for taking for granted in-person fellowship with your people. Help us to see how precious it is to gather with your people 
And help us just to press that home powerfully to us, Father. So in the weeks and the years ahead, if you give us time on this earth, I pray that in person the fellowship will become more and more precious, Father. Father, thank you for the chance to sing. Help us never to take for granted just the, the chance to sing with your people. It is a joy to sing with your people. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to our church for four plus years. Thank you for the people you brought to our church who have been amazing, who have encouraged me, who have pointed me to the Savior so often. Father, be with us now, and I pray that we would sing joyfully now to you and be with Mark as he preaches from your word and help us to be attentive to the preaching of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name.